0: Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Notin. I'm a business coach on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. So I thought, why not talking to entrepreneurs and ask them the right questions? I make sure to alternate between a male and a female guest every week. I hope their answers will inspire you. This podcast is available on all your favorite platforms. If you enjoy it, there are three ways you can help me make it bigger. One, subscribe 2 share your favorite episode on social media 3 buy me a pizza log on my website loranota.com/podcast and click on the icon buy me a pizza interviews is brought to you by social prize a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005 social prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprizeprise.me. Hi, welcome to this special startup episode series done in collaboration with the Nordic Startup School. NSS was funded to improve the quality of startups in Finland, and educate their founders to become the best possible entrepreneurs they can be. NSS also engages with other great entrepreneurs and investors to build up an accelerator that will help and nourish startups to reach their potential. Today, I am joined by three of NSS mentors, and we are going to specifically talk about sales and marketing for startups. Let me introduce each of my guests one by one. I'm gonna start with Anthony Sandstrom. He's a key account manager at PostNord, a provider of logistics and communication solutions in the Nordic region. He's also a GrowHow agency partner and founder. And so sales and creativity are Anthony's passion. He has made deals from one euro to one million euro in various industries, And mentoring lets him combine his specialties to bring his mentees out of their comfort zone. Hey, Anthony, thank you very much for joining me today. We have next Uko Jarvinen. He's a sales director of Bermuda, a B2B technology and industrial-oriented marketing agency. He's been consulting and selling to different size companies in a wide array of fields for about 10 years on both marketing and sales, as well as in the last years on building a partner experience. He became a mentor to help startups focus on how to differentiate themselves, how to get noticed and be remembered, and how marketing and communications can help them grow. Hello, Uko. Thank you for being a guest.
1: Hi, and thanks for inviting me.
0: And last but not least, I have with me Kelvin Chikezi. Is a CEO and co-founder of Digital Growth Boost, a tech marketing company based in Finland. He's also the director of Startup Green Helsinki, the largest independent startup entrepreneurship community in Helsinki. Kevin is Kelvin, not Kevin, sorry. Kelvin is passionate about technology, startup. So becoming a mentor just made sense. Hey Kelvin, thanks for being guest. Happy to be here, thank you, Lauren, for the invitation. Excellent, so you guys are ready. Let's just go into it. First question for you. We're gonna talk about sales and marketing, remember. So why do startups need to focus on sales and marketing? And another question, will they fail if they don't? I'm gonna start by Anthony.
2: Why do startups uh, need to focus on sales and marketing? because the sales part, uh, in my opinion, is sales should be your startup's uh, ears and sales will validate and will let you go and find the narrow and deep part where you will find your customers from. Mm -hmm. So you should definitely, the sales should be all the time validating and sales will bring your first customers. It will uh, bring your probably your first investors. Uh, it will build the trust around your company. Uh, it will create word to mouth. And uh, will it fail? Uh, most likely not. It's actually, there was a study recently that said that it, it was, was it 80% more chance of failure if there's no chief technical officer than sales. But sales really? gives definitely uh, a commercial uh, sense to the whole startup and helps the scaling.
0: But if there is no sales, there is no business,
2: right? Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> the sales still, are great. But, but you've no, yourself,
0: but I'm
2: But everybody should be like sales, sales minded. So it's, it's like, it's the worst part. If, if you design the greatest product ever, but nobody uses it. Mm. It's, it's terrible. So. You need the salesperson to help you with the strategy and with the scaling and getting your product out there and really listening to people. Does it help the solution or not? What about you, Uko?
0: Why do startups need to focus on sales and marketing?
1: I think uh, Anthony said that if not all, the, the most important part of it is the, it's, I would say sales is the way to prove your worth, be it to your clients with your solution to like showing that there's it's worthy to do what you're doing, but also to investors. Like if you have proof that you, there's pull on the market, it's much, I, I would say, much easier to get some investments mm. other than like uh, theoretically showing a solution that you're not sure anybody will, will be needing or wanting.
0: And if they don't have it, will they fail? Uh,
1: well... Well, for sure, <laughs> <That's my opinion. laughs> but maybe you don't need a uh, somebody who's like only focused on sales. But like Anthony said, that there should be like sales-minded people there, and and having this discussion with clients and potential clients, and while having this discussion, not asking that much of, uh, is this a good idea? Then rather they would be asking, would you pay for this, and how mm. much would you pay for this? Mm. So um, maybe not always in the, in the bracket of sales, um, but always like thinking about potential sales.
0: And what about you, Kelvin? What's your take on, you know, why you focus on sales and marketing? Well,
3: uh, the, the, the first thing I, I would say is if startups don't focus on their marketing and sales, then who will, you know, because literally you are building something and uh, the success of what you're building will be defined on how many people are even able to buy it or are, are able to use it. So when I look at marketing and sales, I see it as the next thing a startup should, should do after they have a product. Because if you can't sell and market your product, who will? You know, if you're not even able to promote it to the people that are going to be the users, then it's going to be really tough because startup is more or less uh, uh, creating hypotheses and theories and assumptions that needs to be validated. Okay. Mm-hmm. The faster you go to the market and validate these theories and hypotheses, the more chance of you are going to survive. And one of the ways to, to, to validate all these hypotheses is to take your, your product to, to the market, you know, market it to your people and ask them like, is this something they are willing to use? Is this something they are willing to pay for? So, I think sales and marketing, is, it, 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 it's, it's something that should be in the, in the bone marrow of the founders. You need to be able to sell or market whatever you're going to build, at least to your first initial customers before you have a sales or marketing department. But if you don't do this, of course, you won't necessarily fail, but it will reduce your chance of failure. Mm. There's around 90% chance of startup failing in the first, ni- uh, in the first five years. Well, you don't want to be in that 90%, right? I think it's 99%. You don't want to be in, that, in, that, in those no- numbers. So the more you increase your chance of survival, the better. And one way to do that is to you know, try to validate all your hypotheses and your theory as fast as possible, which comes down to you know, marketing and selling you know, taking it to the users and getting their feedback, iterating and moving on. And it's interesting because the three of you uh, mentioned the same thing about
0: the the startup funders should have, or someone in the startup should have uh, a
3: sales mindset. What is a sales mindset? That That's a really good question. So I will look at it from the perspective of uh, communication, because when you say sales and marketing, it might become a bit scary to people mm. that don't have the background, you know, but when you look at it as uh, communication, then it becomes less scary. So the, uh, like the founders, at least one of the fa- fa- founders should be able to effectively communicate what they are building to people. Because marketing and sales does not, does not just involve your customers. You're going to sell to your investors. You're going to market to your first employees you recruit to join your company. You're going to market to your partners to be able to see the vision you are building to join you. So at the, at the end of the day, the bottom line is being able to effectively communicate what you are building, what you are doing, enable for other people to see and join you in the journey. So I would say uh, it, of course, it's a mindset, but it's a skill that needs to be developed over time.
2: Mm. I'd like to also add there to Kelvin. Uh, I experienced that internal leadership, uh, internal communications is so valuable because uh, sales is a lot about having big ears. And how do you bring the customer's voice inside of your team if there's somebody really strong about their own product and they won't pivot? And that's one death trap, also for startups. So you need to know how to communicate within your business. And uh, for me, the mind, the mind is like uh, you just you're willing to fail. Sales is sales is kind of a sport where you get hit a lot in the face but you don't mind (laughs) it's just getting beaten up and you don't mind and maybe on the 10th hit you learn how to dodge right or left Mm. and you learn from it and then you go move on there forward so it's it's just willing to be beaten up and learning from there having big years and the best part is always that you have to start if you don't jump it, it won't work because you never tried. Uku, you want to add anything? Uh, I, I, really,
1: I have to say, I really like the, the boxing analogy from Anthony. It's, it's a good one. And also about the communications, I, I've said many times that like when you're when you're selling, you're representing the client within your own company, and and you're representing your company towards the client. Mm. So you're doing this like double agent kind of role of finding the fit and finding the solution that works for everybody. So it takes a lot of communication and and big ears as both Kelvin and Anthony said. Right. So you guys talk about communication. But
0: let's imagine I am a startup, okay? I see this big chunk sales and marketing. It's a bit overwhelming because I'm not sure where to start. I'm not sure what to do. So what should I specifically spend time on? Communication in, is one thing, as you mentioned, but should I, should I start with communication or should I focus on something else
3: at the beginning? Well, I can go for that first. Uh, so when it comes to marketing, there's, there's always this misconception that, you know, marketing is all about posting on social media, making your graphics and videos and <laughs> doing, stuff, you know, doing, doing stuff. Of course, those are elements or acti- activities that goes on into marketing. But marketing is way beyond that. So when it comes to what you should be doing first, I will try to lay it out in a very basic way. First, you need to really understand who your customers are. Because even if you are not very confident at marketing and selling, for you to build up your confidence, first, you you, you need to understand who am I even selling to. So Mm. one of the assumptions that startups have is, this is our target audience nobody knows whether it's true or false. They believe, you know, we like we do the product and, and, and we think, yeah, this is going to be our ideal target audience. Most of the times it's wrong. After a year or two in the business, you realize that, okay, those we are the imaginary ideal clients or ideal target audience. Now we need to move to so, so, somewhere else. So when it comes to the first thing that startups needs to do is to really, really, Plan and analyze the market, you know, understanding who your target audience are, where to find them, what interests them, what kind of content they consume. If you do all of this, it will give you a boost to go ahead and make the strategy to create a campaign because you know what you're doing in a nutshell. You don't just want to wake up and, you know, go to Facebook and start talking to everyone that you feel could be your target audience. You want to be laser-focused. You Mm -hmm. don't want to be shooting all over the place. So you've been able to to define. Of course, you might be wrong, and that's totally fine. But the fact that you've been able to try has given you the opportunity to to remove one target audience from your list because you tried and it didn't work. So that's not your target audience. You find a new audience, you try. If it works, then you you double up on the investment. You get more results. You need to keep trying until you find something that works. So the basics would be, you know, you know, doing all the research and trying to really understand who is the ideal target audience, how to reach them, where they are active, what kind of content to use to engage with them, and what kind of strategy would work for you. Right, nice. I see Anthony is nodding
2: his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that analogy. It was like everything that I, I really love the part of like uh, business validation. So Kelvin was just speaking my brains out there like, just wanted to shout don't shoot like with the shotgun up in the air and hope something falls you need to know what to hunt so you can you know what you want to eat mm. so
0: I like it. You know, I worked 14 years in market research. So, you guys are telling, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying, know your market, which is exactly what I was trying to to sell to my clients, but I was working in market research. <laughs> Uko, would you, would you like to uh, add anything on top of it? Or, well, if you agree with them, what would be the second step then once you know the market?
1: I, I fully agree. And, and I would go digging deeper into the market and going to the target customers and other stakeholders who you have to address. Mm. And and once you, you know what you are providing to what kind of companies then you or, or or consumer, then you want to be thinking about like how basically how how you what kind of problems are you solving in their lives or what kind of what kind of happiness you're creating them if you want to get poetical. Mm. And then putting it into words and finding the messaging that differentiates you but also like gets to the point very quickly and that's even more important with startups because there's like anybody a startup is selling to there's going to be a lot of other people also trying the same thing
0: right so it's the it's a question of who is doing it better who understand the market the consumers the stakeholders better than others Uh,
1: that and then the next step of uh, like who's clearest in communicating their worth
0: Okay, so that would be the next. That would be the next step. How to clearly communicate your work. How, so yeah. let me ask you that question. Then, <laughs> how do you do that?
1: Well, it goes like we use a lot like the value proposition t- tool by strategizer. Strategizer, mm-hmm. this uh, we use it like not exactly how that it was meant to be, but like we we dig try to dig into the customer and client personas and and like really really like drawing out the fit of like where what is what is the thing we are offering and how it's going to change somebody's life once they get in into like testing and well first of all speaking about it and then testing and something we've learned over the years is that like there's never just one person you have to convince there's going to be one decision maker and then there's a ton of ton of influencers Right. That will want to know something else about the product or the service you're providing.
0: What about you, uh, Kel- Kelvin? I want I want to hear your opinion about this communication thing, you mentioned that to the beginning, and also you know, in your position as uh, being the director of Startup Green Helsinki, you must you must be seeing a lot of startups. So, what do you think are the are the key elements for a great communication or a clear communication, like Uko was saying?
3: Yeah, uh, of course, I deal with a lot of startup. and this has always been reoccurring, you know, how to get to my customer, what to say to them and all, all, all of that. So I would say that m- m- most times startup, look at it from reverse. You have a product, you just want to go and talk to the, the customers. Of course, we as, we as, as humans. We, we tend to slack on uncertainties. If you don't know, if you don't have enough information, enough knowledge, you are not going to be the best version of yourself in communicating or engaging with people. That's why building up a customer persona to really understand who this ideal customer is, what do you need to say to them to get them interested in your product is one of the big things that I think that most, like, like mo- most startups really... Uh, not avoid, but I don't get into it because, of course, when you talk about customer persona, their brain goes go, go to the point that you need to spend months, munching data, doing research. Not mm. really. You can do it in a couple of hours. You know, it doesn't need to be perfect, but you be, being able to put some things together that you will have a profile of who your customer is already gives you the ability to communicate with this customer imaginary. Before you meet them, this will help you prepare your mindset. What do you say say to them? How do you communicate with them? So once you do that mental uh, process, if you meet this customer in the real life, well, it's your second time doing it. It's always better to do it the second time than the first time because you might have overcome the fear. Why doing it like imaginary? So I would say, yeah, this th- this is uh, one of the the like like the areas that I see a lot of like startups are uh, not getting right.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Uh, put yourself in a customer's shoes so that you're able to speak the same, the same language as them. I'm sure Anthony, the salesperson in you, agrees with that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I was shouting like you should have empathy towards your customers. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't like fall in the pit, uh, you know, product-based sales. Go go even deeper. Don't even go solution-based. Uh, make the problem create a business case that the customer can identify the values by himself with your clear communication and buy from there. Right. It's easier to say than to do. Of course. Of of course, it is. It is
0: always. But is there a difference between uh, B2B, B2C
3: and what we call B2B2C in the the approach or the way you communicate? Uh, Yeah. So when it comes to the the like the market segmentation, of course, is very important to segment, you know, like you said, the B2C, the B2B, and the B2C2B. But I don't want, I don't like to start from there. I, I read a book some time ago which changed my entire perspective around mm. the market segment, you know, because when we start categorizing it into this B2B, B2C, B2B to B, we start looking at them as an audience at the end of the day, we are talking to humans. It's human to human, okay? Every human have empathy. We have a lot of characteristics and similarities that makes it easy for you to engage, you know? So uh, first and foremost would be just to have the understanding that, well, you are not talking to a building or a business. You are talking to another human, but just that that human is standing uh, uh, maybe with a company or something like that. So once you get this first step done, it already reduces the barrier of, you know, how to start. The whole concept of B2C, B2B, and b 2 c to b is to actually help you in terms of, let's say, your tone of engagement, your strategy of marketing, and the channels of engagement. For example, right, you want to sell to a company. Of, of course, you can easily find so, so someone in that company on Instagram, on Facebook, mm. but they might, they might not take your, your message seriously on those channels. But when you reach out to them on LinkedIn, it looks very professional. It looks like, okay, this is business. When you right. s- send them an email, it, it looks like, okay, this guy is serious. You know? But when you send them that same content on Instagram, it's the same message, the same content, but different context. So the meaning behind like, how they will perceive it it's going to affect how they will respond, what they will do next and all of that. So understanding the B2C, the B2B helps to clarify the market, but it shouldn't be a barrier. Just have in your mind that you are talking to another human, you know, yeah. just find the best like uh, possible channel to engage them.
0: Yeah, especially at, uh, in the digital ages that we are living now, you know, we're all sitting behind the computer and we tend to forget that at the end of the day, a human is making the 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 decision to buy something. It's not a robot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a human with emotions. So it's you're about talking about emotional connections here,
2: Anthony. Yeah, yeah and that's that's uh, if you're selling to B B2, to B2B or B2C, I think you should focus on getting the the conversation on a humane level. Even with like my own like B2B uh negotiations for example you might have a ceo that has a busy day if you bring it down to a humane level first before talking the business it will go on a more natural flow and that's that's something that should be focused on right right just you know emotions it's it's the same with uh A lot of e-commerce shops now coming up. Everybody's talking about uh, customer experience, for example. I think Mm. customer experience should be focused on startups as well a lot. And you should understand who owns the customer experience also in the startup.
0: Tell me more about that. Why and how can you understand that?
2: Mm. Uh, The customer experience comes from validating and, uh, of course, doing trial and error. But there tends to be also always some silos within startups that somebody has strong opinions how to bring it out, and you don't have full control. So you should give all the control to the sales guys always, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. say that a lot. But yeah, so it's because it's 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 like uh, the customer focusing on the customer experience when buying tends to get you more customers and uh, generally with startups it's all all, it's it's about 50 percent a little over that the revenue comes from existing customers always Mm. so if they have a bad experience do they want to buy again if even if the product is good probably but will they buy even more or do you like lower the barrier that's that's what the key is and word of mouth comes from there, The most effective way to market it. So. All right.
0: Vukui, would you like to add anything?
1: Uh, About the the human connection and the attachment to whatever you're using. Like if it works, yeah, I agree. Probably not gonna, like the client is not gonna change. But if there's something equal, it's much easier to change when you don't have that connection on on a humane or level. Mm. Be it your personal service or, uh, uh, sorry, personal experience, or or the the service product you're buying, and and it's fit to your company. But first comes the human connection. Sometimes something what Anthony said before about the product based marketing, we many times jokingly talk about E to H, like engineer to human. <laughs> Finnish companies.
0: That's a good one. <laughs>
1: With the Finnish companies, like especially in like industrial companies, they're they're so used to doing a product and then like ramming it down to clients rather than like doing R&D to some specific need.
0: Mm. So uh, stay with me, Uko. You've been mentoring for a while now startups. And when it comes to sales and marketing, what are the most frequent questions that startups have during the mentoring sessions with you?
1: I think the the most common, the first question I get asked most is, uh, "What kind? Like, what do you think about my pitch deck?" It's, that's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the question that you hope for, but it's the one that comes up the right.
0: most. And what's it, what is your answer to that?
1: With that answer, we have to go back to the like the discussion part of like, okay, tell me with your own words, what do you do? What do you try to accomplish? Why are you doing this that you are doing? Mm. And then after that talk, probably like a few sessions further, we're gonna take a good look at the pitch deck because that's not the not the main thing.
0: Ah, that's that's interesting. It's not the main thing. Why? Why not?
1: I well, to me, I would say the pitch deck or any other medium is just a medium. You have to think about like going back to the messaging part of like what do you need to communicate and to who.
0: We're going yeah. back to what we are talking about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that, for me, that would be the first question. Like I always ask, like, be it a startup, startup or any other company that I don't know, I ask them to like introduce themselves and the company, so mm-hmm. I can put some kind of like sandbox around it of what we're playing with.
0: What about you guys, Kelvin, Anthony? What are the most frequent questions that you you get from startups when it comes to sales and marketing? Uh,
3: for me, it's it's always. How do we get our first paying customers? <laughs> you know? okay. Initially, it sounded like a, a funny question because in my head, I'm like, well, if you know who you are building the product for, you go to them and ask them to pay for it, literally. But uh, after I watched uh, one of the videos from uh, Michael, the CEO of Y Combinator, it gave me a lot more perspective to that, to the answer of, of that question. Mm. So as a startup, right, you, you are most times you are building so something in an industry you already have some sort of connection or experience or in. okay? So you don't, you, don't w- you don't wake up and be like, I want to build something for aliens. Well, do you know any alien? Do you have any contact to a- any alien that can validate what you're building? If the answer is yes, then go and contact all those aliens that you know. They are going to be your first paying customers. So bringing it down to like startups, I think uh, your first customers should come from your network. You don't, you don't jump and start doing paid advertisements and you know, billboards and going crazy without making use of the network that you have. If, you can't, if your friends and family cannot patronize your service, maybe it's a sign that maybe it's not even something that other people are going to buy. Of course, it, 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 it depends on the type of service and the type of product, if it's something that they will need. But the first place to look is within your network, okay, within your, your connection. If you can't find someone within your connection to be your initial test users or initial customers, then maybe you are in a field where you don't have a lot of fit into, which is also one of the things that uh, Michael was saying that, Startups has high probability of failing. And one of the ways you can reduce that fa- like fa- fa- failure is to go into an in- industry where you can achieve some results without money, without spending money on ad- advertisements and all of that. So if you're already uh, building so- so something that you are not able to get the first initial customers, the question you should ask yourself is, are you the best person to build this in this industry? So the answer mm. to that question is all, always, you know, look within. Who are the first ten people in your network that you can talk to that can use this product, whether as free free users or paying users? Only after then should you start looking outward. Like I like it. And again, I was saying Anthony
0: nodding his head. <laughs> yeah, just
2: they're, they're, I just had to say they're like I liked what Kelvin said, like and also what Luca said. Uh, especially about the customers people ask a lot where do i get the first clients and i'm like well you can go and try reddit for example put your product there mm-hmm. uh do some like be in a forum for a long time chat there be active then show your product what do people think find uh, skillful ways to get your product without without the necessary money because that's one of the popular questions is like where do i get funded i can't build this if i don't get 200 grand for the next year. Yeah. Or uh, I've created this amazing product, uh, but I don't know how to sell it. How should I proceed? And I, I, I also like, I see a lot of startups are like uh, fear. They fear the starting part. And that's like jumping over the barrier, I think is the hardest part. And a lot of questions that are regarding to sales is like questions. What should I do? Should I do it like this? And I'm like, it's your product. What do your customers say? So you ask a lot of nasty questions back to make them think. Because if you just give them everything ready on a plate, the learning process will never be executed. Because I'm not your customer.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so we're going back to what we were saying at the beginning. You need to know your market. You need to understand your clients. You need to to understand their needs. Even before you start thinking about funding. (laughs)
3: <laughs> right yeah it all boils down to understanding who your customers are you know even before you get to like the like the funding part on top of my head like based on some stories and like statistics i've, I've seen i can say that there's a that there's around one percent of startups that get funded without showing anything mm. it happens but it's rare you know, maybe they have some relationship with the investors or maybe they, the concept, the idea is really fascinating that someone puts their money down. They, like the most, most people, most investors, they're not going to put down your money if you've not done your own work, your grand work. You know, what am I putting money into? Have you even been able to sell at least one? You know, what have you done so far? So basically understanding your cost customers, going out there, reaching out to them, getting them to use your product is like the validation that 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 you need to pitch to anyone to pitch to the potential partners to pitch to the people you are going to bring on board to work with you to pitch to the investor so if you can't even get that done i don't know what are you doing in your startup (laughs) right right but
0: it's it's interesting because going back to uh what uko gets at this first is most common question is you know what do you think of my pitch deck? So I've the impression the startups are so focused on getting money <laughs> and a lot and a lot of money and they forget about, about everything else. Why why
3: do you think is that? Well, I totally I, I I I agree with you. Most startups they I think it's it's just the media. It's the news. You see everybody is, ra- is ra- raising funds. This startup raised 40 million. This one raised 300 million. This one is pre-seed. Seed. It's already subconsciously shaping other startups' mind that, well, the concept is to raise money, not to even build your, your product. It's wrong, because people, they, they use raising funds to become a measure of success. I'm like, damn, where did that come from? Of course, if you raise funds, it's good. It will help you. But imagine you raise funds, and in the next couple of months, the business, you just go out of business. Were you successful? Were you, are, you are successful at raising fund? But the question is, is your business into the business of raising fund or building the product which you, 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 you hear out there to do? So yeah. all the media, the news, people just follow what they see, but not getting to have like the backstory of how things are. I think it affects a lot. And everybody's like, well, if those people raise $440 million for pre-seed, Man, I have an idea too. Let's make a pitch deck. Let's push it to all the investors in Europe. Let's get some money. It's deceiving, really. Right. U- Uko, you're, in your experience,
0: do you agree with what Kelvin says?
1: Uh, I haven't thought it that way, but it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't thought about the, the influence the media has and the, the shows around like, yeah. startups and, and so on. So, yeah, I, I have to agree. I think there's also some kind of uh, need for financial security that's Mm. built into like the startups when they're, well, if they're not struggling at that moment, they are very aware that they're going to need some money pretty soon. And it's easy to think that investors are like the easier, faster way than building your sales and, and building your your. Your company through the sales you're making
0: yeah and it's interesting because when you there are some i mean there are many investors who tell you well first you need to find you know the easiest way to find money and to finance your company is to get clients <laughs> but maybe we don't hear them enough <laughs> how would you get how would you advise a startup who go to get their first clients
1: uh kelvin Said, what what we said before is the like friends family networks using your existing contacts that that's the the first step and that's also the best way of doing the the r; d part of your work right because that's like when you know the client and the client is aware of what you are trying to build it's easy to have that communication and having some kind of back and forth in which way you're going to take your company because there, right. there will be a lot of pivots well not always, but in my experience, there's more pivots than not. So let
0: me put uh, myself back into the startup shoes. I need to understand who my clients are. I've never done that before. I'm not sure how to do it. What sort of questions do I need to ask my potential clients?
1: I think it varies a lot about like, what you're doing. Mm. So there's no clear one answer to this. But like, I would say take an assumption and present it to somebody who, who is the potential client and start from there. I have, I have a discussion of like, I'm trying to do this kind of business. My thoughts are in this direction. And then at the end, the, the most important question is like, would you pay money for this? Yeah. And then usually the first answer is no, but. <laughs> <and> then...
2: <laughs> yeah. Anthony, yeah, the, sales,
0: the salesperson in you wants to add something.
2: Yeah, I wanted to say how much. My no. but uh i also like i know it's easy to sell to friends family but i've never actually gone to that path myself because i want honest sales i want honest feedback i need the brutal honesty what sort of questions do you ask uh straightforward questions so i think at the the first first questions could be like uh we booked this meeting how do you how do you feel before this meeting? Mm. How do you feel about the product in advance? What I'm going to present to you uh, at the end has this? Will this product bring really value to you? Is this solving your problem? How is it solving your problem? What extra value to your life this is bringing to you? Is this saving time? How much? How much is your time in euros? Like, and it's it's also like if you can some way even get the the words that you can get the customer to describe your value of your problem solving into euros it will yeah. make sense even, even more if you can do that
0: so straight straightforward questions and it's interesting what you guys are saying because in between the lines what i read is you need to do the work you need not to be afraid or not to be fearful. Someone has to do it. Someone has to ask the questions. Nobody's going to do that for you.
2: And like, you have to always understand everybody's eating the same bread as you. Everybody's eating the same cereal as you. Everybody's eating the same steak as you, vegetables or anything. Like we're all people. If you love your thing, do it.
0: And I have the impression that a lot of startups are afraid. They don't dare doing the work. Do you agree with me? Is that you know your experience also as as
2: mentors? I think I think the, oh, my like like I said before like I don't know if it's they're not afraid to do the work. I think they're more afraid to start. Right. Uh, uh, I think the best part is that you know you're on the right way as long as you're embarrassed because if you're not embarrassed, you you've not even started. So mm. it should be natural.
3: Yeah, I, I think when you talk about fear, it's a, it's a basic humor. It's, it's something that is part of force. But uh, if I look at it from this direction, where people are scared of building the next big thing, but they are not really afraid of building a landing page or a prototype or an MVP. So they think about the big thing they are going to build. It scares the shit out of them. They start being lazy, start procrastinating, and it doesn't ha- ha- happen. So if I, can, if I can link this to your previous question about, uh, uh, was it the question you asked when you're trying to, to, to validate, I would recommend this book, like the mom's, the mom's test, the mom mm-hmm. test. So it's, it, it's like you have this big picture of what you want to do. It's big, it's huge. You don't want to spend your money, your time, your adulthood and everybody around you their time in building this perfect product that nobody needs. So what is the quickest way to get the, the, the validation before you even start, start start building? Can you express this product in a simple landing page? Can you build like a prototype that does just one thing which you want the product to do, remove all the features and everything that makes it fancy? If, if you can, all you just have to do is to make a, a landing page, make a prototype, then take it to the customers because you don't want to go to the customers and start painting a picture of a product that is imaginary. It will be difficult for you to get a concrete feedback. So you need to ask the customers feedback from what they can see. So you can ask, ask them, okay, based on this, do you think you can buy this product when it's out? The product that does this, this, this. Do you have this kind of problem? What kind of uh, solution do you think this product will bring to you? So it, it becomes more tangible. You're not just showing them some imaginary pitch. You're showing them yeah. something they can see. And based on that feedback, you can then decide whether to build it or not. I think if everybody will use this approach, we will save a lot of time, a lot of money in building things that the market don't need. You know, Why build a, a, a billion dollar company in your head that will take you, I don't know, one year, two years, three years, when you can use one month to make an MVP push it out to the market, get early adopters to try it out. If everybody's telling you no, no, no. If everybody's literally telling you no, and these are the people that you, you consider to be your ideal target audience, then why even build it? You just have to either pivot mm. or you know find a way to make it look like they, what they want somehow. Mm. So therefore
0: come back to asking questions, asking the right questions. What is it that exactly that what they want?
2: Uh, I'd like to add there that uh, it can be so overwhelming, like you have so much to do in a startup. Mm. So what should I do first? What is the most important thing? And you might not even have anything written down, but I think you should have like your own, own little treasure map or goal setting. What's my first target on getting clients? I need to get one client in one month. What do I need to do to get that one client? I need to spend X amount in LinkedIn and network with these kind of people based on my customer profile. And then uh, if your end goal is like getting a million customers, start start slowly, like yeah. 100 customers the first month, second month, 1,000, and move it, scale it up from there. Like when you, you know how to get the first client, right. copy it. Yeah, good point i like to talk a little bit about
0: the mistakes that startups could make. For example, I have one, uh, every time I do a, a mentoring session, and especially in the B2C2B industries, I see a lot of startups and we talk about that. We talk about, you know, defining your ideal clients, but they got confused between the ideal clients and the product. Let me give you an example. Let's say I'm building a game. Okay, There's a, the Finnish the Finnish industry uh, game uh, industry is very vibrant. So I'm building a game, and I try to focus on the players. But the thing is, I have two type of players. I have the players who don't pay any money, and I have the players who pay money. Players who don't pay any money, like me, actually they are not your clients because your clients are the advertisers, because those players who don't pay money, they need to see the advertising <laughs> so that the company, the game player generates revenue. And what I see is that a lot of companies get confused. They think that the uh, players in that case who don't pay money are the end customers and it wastes too much time focusing on them while they should be focusing on uh, servicing the advertisers, the actual customers. Do you do you see that also as a as a main mistake? Let me start with uh, Uko.
1: I don't know if that's a main mistake. It's a big question to ask, but like that is one of the major mistakes mm. of not not identifying. Also, like the the decision maker within, like if we're talking about B two B, you make wrong assumptions on who's going to make the final decision and who you need to be like addressing the most.
0: Right, and earlier on, you were talking about the influencers. That's very important. Yeah, in a in a B two B industry, yeah, there's a lot of people who are involved in uh, in uh, in the decision making. Do you see any other mistakes?
1: I, I this is I would say a very Finnish one, but we're getting over it <laughs> as a, as a nation. Is that like we we trust that the the product will sell itself or the service will sell itself as long as I make it, somebody's gonna find it, buy it, and Everything's good after that is like, I would say one of the big mistakes is forgetting about sales and marketing and trusting, for example, trusting your networks too much or trusting on your old clients too much and not noticing that the world is changing at a faster and faster pace.
0: Does it mean, does it mean that you need to refresh your knowledge? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. You have to refresh your knowledge. You have to learn from your mistakes and also from your success. And be analyzing, not, not trusting that everything is going to be the same way for the coming years.
0: Right. Because what you think you know today it may not be the same, may not be true tomorrow.
1: Exactly.
3: Kelvin, what about what mistakes do you see startups make? Like Uko mentioned, this has become, it's, it's becoming more like a trend now in terms of seeing it as a pattern in a lot of startups. They still go with this mindset or attitude of uh, build it. And the customers will come you know mm. maybe that worked 10 years ago 20 years ago i don't know maybe it worked 30 years ago no idea but like looking at our current age you know everything that is available how every company wants to get attention of the customers and all of that going on online i think is is really wrong to have this motion that you build it and the customers come of, of course if you have the main thing is to have a great product okay a great, uh, a great product with uh, bad marketing will be good, but an, a moderately good product with an amazing marketing will do great and way better. Yeah. So this concept of, okay, let's spend years and build it and people we know and they will come, it's really wrong. And when it becomes like a, an attitude from the beginning, you will see most 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 startups won't even allocate budget to marketing. They won't even, you know, they will start hiring HR before they, they hire head of marketing or, or, or head of growth. I'm like, HR is gonna deal with your employees. You don't even have any employees <laughs> because you're not know, giving your customers, you know. So in in that sense, I see I, I see a pattern there. And it's it it's really sad. And I wish that more people can talk about this stuff especially their failures because there's something that happens in the startup world everybody talk about the good case practice how they raise funds, how they grew few of them talk like talk about how they have failed how they yeah. shut down their like their startups what they fucked up at so other people can learn so all of this stuff i think one of the reasons that some startups don't succeed and i think there's a way to highlight them all i think it will help a lot of startups in 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 the future
0: that's interesting maybe i should do a podcast with uh startups that failed
3: that would be very very interesting really
0: (laughs) (laughs) anthony you want to add anything
2: no i just was i was just thinking like is there a book that uh specifically tells about failing i've read a lot of exit books but none about failing Mm. uh and that's how you learn to swim, by failure. It's not fun burning your hands on the stove, but you learn not to touch the hot part again. Yeah, And uh,
0: and I mean, uh, it's the reality. You will fail. We all have failed in the past. Yeah. And entrepreneurs will fail. It's part of the journey.
2: And I'd like to add there also, like uh, it is a little bit sad that you, you build the perfect product, but you don't have a team. Uh, you're you might be just focusing on uh, nobody's willing to pay for your idea so you Mm -hmm. build this game it's a great game but nobody wants to pay or advertise so you need to dump it or pivot yeah so so the understanding part is also hard hard with startups and sometimes you just need to like slowly let them hit the wall to make them themselves understand what to do better next time
0: right so even you. So what you're saying is that, as mentors, <laughs> it's better sometimes, even though you see that they're gonna fail, to let them fail so they learn.
2: I could be uh, brave enough and say <laughs> that's a that good is true. <laughs> as long as the failure is not bad. Sure. I mean, like nerve wracking, but it's 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 by doing things wrong, you know how to do things right. It's 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 sad, but it's true. <laughs> Uh, but there's also something about the failure book like I think that uh, a lot of startups do the same failures and they they don't want to reach out to mentors. they don't they don't network. they don't find the knowledge to help you with these kind of things. If you're unsure about some something, ask ask your network. Mm. could somebody help me with this? And like don't accept the first guy that wants twenty percent of your company to be an advisor like. Find somebody yeah. that's like really interested in solving your problem. And I, I do this for the pure heart of it. So U- Uko, you want to add anything?
1: Uh, I'd like to build on what, what Anthony said, like is asking, asking for help and like being ready to, to get the answers you need. Yeah. There's like always a need for failing in, in some parts, but for sure you're going to fail if you just like make assumptions and Work only on them.
0: Yeah. So test, um, test, test, test. It's okay. You're gonna yeah. fail, but then you're gonna retest, and you'll figure out a way to get to get there. Ask for help. Get, get, get mentors because those guys are here for are here for that. So before before we close, uh, one last one last question: What is the number one practical tip you'll give any startup? I'm going to start with Kelvin.
3: <laughs> uh, that's a good, que- good question. I would say like on top of my head without even thinking twice. Yes. Fail fast, learn, and, and, and repeat. Fail fast, get the feedback, learn, you know, implement your feedback, and move on, basically.
2: Anthony. I liked what Kelvin said. Uh, my, my number one tip is definitely like start networking immediately. I think it ties all the fundamentals uh, together that keeps the learning curve up by network networking. uh, You'll find the missing team members. Uh, You'll find the person that introduces you to your first angel investor. And those like random conversations with your network will let you help pivot your product to the next level. there's always going to be some kind of opportunity to you when you're talking to another human being. So be curious, stay active and network. Nice. Uko.
1: It's a combination of what Anthony and Kelvin already said. It's like the same thing in different words. <laughs> 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 so prioritize, test and learn and be ready to fail.
0: Very nice. Well, guys, thank you. That was, that was a blast before we close. Do you, would you like to add anything Anything that you think is important and that we didn't talk
3: about? If, 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 if I'm to add one final thing, uh, it, it, w- it would be the idea of you know, failing. Of course, we, everybody knows that we're going to fail at, at, at some point, but you don't want to fail at the same thing that your neighbor failed at and they learned and they succeeded. So be open to, to fail, but also look at op- options where you can stand on the shoulder of other failures that have su- succeeded. This is one of the things that we we try to do, in, like in startup grind, right? We bring speakers who are experienced in their field. They try to build the one billion dollar company. They have mm-hmm. shitloads of failure. So if you can learn some of their failures, know what they did right. Maybe they failed ten times, but in the eleventh time they tried something else and they su- succeeded. Well, you you don't you don't need to fail ten times anymore. You can fail just once and use their magic formula and get it done. So fail as much as you can, but uh, don't just fail like a fool, please. <laughs> like, you know, look out for good case practices, you know, how you can do things better, learn from others, stand, just stand on the of, uh, on the shoulder of other giants that have done it in the past. Yeah, no, no need to by. reinvent the wheel. Exactly. Because failing is also expensive. It costs money and time. So
2: I can add there. You don't have to fail big at first. You can try smaller failures at first. You don't have to go with your product and launch at New York Square. You can launch it on like your LinkedIn or to your family. You can fail small and Mm. take it from there. Mm -hmm. And I like I loved what Kelvin said about like giving giving the 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 like the mentors or the organizations to help you out. Like you can basically guide your responsibility to somebody with more knowledge and ask the question there. And it might be even <laughs> it's good sometimes to just ask it. I'm like, if, if somebody seasons, seasoned and done it 10 times, it's, it's a piece of cake for them. And for you, it's not. So do it together.
0: Yeah, that's what you guys were saying earlier. Don't hesitate to ask for help. Reach out to mentors. Uko, anything you want to add?
1: Uh, nothing, nothing. To like. Just amen <laughs> <aim> to that.
0: Amen <laughs> to that. Amen to <laughs> that. This is the conclusion world. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kelvin, Anthony, and Uko very much for this special episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't hesitate to share it on social media so we can inspire as many startups and entrepreneurs as possible. See you next time. Bye-bye.